Hello again, and welcome back to the Mind the Millennial Gap podcast. My name is Chris. I'm an elder millennial. And my name is Jillian, and I'm a younger millennial. And together we talk about topics that span our millennial generation and impact us uh, from our own points of view. Woohoo! So uh, today, before <laughs> we started, I'm I'm very excited about what we're talking about, but we just had a couple uh, laundry list items to go over. Uh, one, we wanted to just say... Thank you so much to everyone who's listening. I, I believe we are now outside of the span of those people we know directly as our friends. And so anyone else that has picked us up, we couldn't be more grateful of your interest and wanting to listen to our podcast and what we're doing here uh, every single week. Jeej, what else did you have? Oh, so we try to keep these podcasts pretty evergreen, but we did want to tell you guys that for the next few weeks... Um, we are doing a series on Instagram called Wedding Wednesdays. Wedding Wednesday. Wedding Wednesdays. Chris and I are getting married at the end of, nope, beginning of October 2022. Um, and so we are taking Wednesdays on Instagram and kind of doing um, doing our story, doing everything that's led up to us being here because we're not just podcast partners, we're life partners and we'd love to share part of that with us. So follow along. All the stories are saved onto a highlight on our Instagram, which is mind the millennial gap on Instagram. We would love to see you there. If you have any questions, want to join us along in any other ways, let us know. We'd love to love to have you. Great. Uh, if you did also want to just reach us on uh, other platforms besides Instagram, where are we, Jillian? We are Mind the Millennial Gap on TikTok. And we have a Gmail, mindthemillennialgap at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much. Um, we also uh, would appreciate if uh, you like and subscribe to whatever platform that you're on for the, the podcast itself. It helps us out a ton. And then we would love to interact with, with anyone. So if you want to find us on any of those platforms or want to send that, that old-fashioned email to the email box, we do check it. So perfect. Thank you for letting us get that stuff out of the way. Today, uh, I know that we were doing a mini series on religion, and we wanted to just get a little bit lighter after that yeah. <laughs> series. So thank you all for th those of you that did listen. If you identified with it, we're, we're glad that we could help uh, have the conversation there. But today, a little bit lighter. What do you think that we're doing today, Gigi? Ooh, I don't know, Chris, but I'm super excited. Okay. And so uh, millennials often take the rap in articles whether those are on like a major news source or whether they're on a secondary <laughs> platform or news source and we we, we kind of take a bad rap for for killing things <laughs> and i just wanted to start i found this wonderful list on mashable.com shout out mashable mashable i didn't know that that was a website but they had a wonderful article that we're going to springboard off of today you said you didn't know mashable was a website I did. I don't think I've ever visited Mashable before today. I think that this is one of our delineations between elder and younger millennials. How many times <laughs> have you visited the Mashable website and enjoyed their content? A lot. I would say a lot. I think when I'm looking up some sort of pop culture think piece, it's they're one of the top sources there. Am I uh, being new to Mashable? Is that because I just don't look at pop culture often? Probably. I'm 
Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's very um, BuzzFeed. It is feel. very BuzzFeed. Yeah. I don't know. Next, last time you would have been searching for Kesha's 14 best festival looks, but stuff like that. Yeah. I don't find myself there <laughs> without uh, a conversation with you. <laughs> Wonderful. But today I just wanted to just go through the items on this list and just prompt the conversation of why do we think that is? What is it that that is? Do I do I identify it? Do you identify with it? I'm stoked on this. By topics. And so um, I'll put the article available for everyone to be able to click through it. But I'll just everything that's hyperlinked off of that. I'm just going to leave it off. But it's it's there and available from the original URL source. So the very first one. And so often uh, they've just aggregated a bunch of articles together. And so like it'll launch you into CNBC or some additional article that that's giving some of the input there. But the very first one, millennials are killing the beer industry. Huh? Is it because beer is gross and we just know that we like other drinks better? (laughs) Okay. I don't think you're far off from what that says. Um, uh, But in CNBC, now this is, this is a little outdated here. This is this is pre-pandemic. Uh, I bet you we could dive into it and see. I believe that there is some new sources or data talking about how Americans or potentially some other uh, first world countries actually picked up their alcohol consumption during the yeah. uh, pandemic. Yeah. But this is this is pre-pandemic of what they were actually taking a look at there, and what they're saying is that there's a gradual decline it's it's single digit percentage in nature as the millennial generation ages into what is the the majority of you know the 20 to 40 year olds there and saying that uh beer doesn't have growth in in the marketplace anymore they're they're having like a, a little bit of a contraction there and so what you said before is potentially <laughs> what they're what they're kind of concentrating on. Now, now the pros of beer, it's it's very attainable. Um it's very convenient typically. So if you're out and you're not bringing your own uh beverages, beer seems to be a default at m- most like adult like establishments or like games or places like that, right? Very attainable. But Jillian, why is it that you think that it's going out again? Because it's disgusting and we all know that we can eat better. We can drink better options. And so that's exactly what they had talked about. They said that <laughs> millennials and um, zillennials or even Gen Z, uh, they lean into uh, wine as an option or, or spirits, uh, cocktails. What about like salty seltzers? I feel uh, like that's our modern day beer. I feel like pre-pandemic... That white claw hadn't really like found its like <laughs> sweet spot in the pocket, and then everyone trying to catch up to white claw. Um, I would actually think that that probably would categorize under beer, and this might actually fall apart. Oh, interesting. Because I believe many of the um, the major brands or holding companies of of those uh, seltzer companies are actually uh, beer in in nature as their major products, right? Love it. But so, but yeah, w- interesting. It, it's wine's been around such a long time. Yeah. Spirits have been around such a long time. I mm-hmm. I just wonder what that shift is. That's very interesting. I wonder. I w- I truly do wonder what that is. Is, huh? 
that's a thinker. I guess I want to immediately equate it to like, well, like beer is kind of a traditional men's drink. And now that like we've seen kind of in our research that there's a softening of like gender roles. Millennials are not following gender roles the same way. Um, so I'm almost wondering if it's like, oh, yeah, well, if if you're a dude and you don't want to drink beer, you don't have to drink beer anymore. Like it's very socially acceptable. So I wonder if people are leaving that just being like, I can like what I like and it's not beer. I don't know, though. That might be taking it down a road that is like not even associated. <laughs> right. Like I, I when I first looked at this article, I wondered if it's like some health conscious. Now, granted, everyone, you know, alcohol has has its uh, benefits and, and dangers there. But when it comes to just calories, when you're thinking about health generally, uh, beer seems to be a little bit more dense. Yeah. calorically, right? So I wonder if that might be actually a, a, an avenue that people are trying to reduce calories but still go somewhere else. Yeah, I would be really interested to see if this has changed after pandemic and, and if seltzers are really considered a beer, if that has any impact on this at all because I don't know. I don't. I, we don't go very many places where there's not seltzers, probably more than places that are beer. I, like yeah, parties, it's almost like being like more accessible. Yeah, is is that seltzer side of the world, right? Right, right. Maybe not so much at restaurants. Like, there's no seltzers on tap y- yet, but maybe there will be. I don't know. That seems like a hard proposition. That'll be interesting. Can you imagine <laughs> those like really smart like Coke like touchscreen things? Yes, yeah, so like a little seltzer. Mm, <laughs> that's fun. Like a little soda fountain, but a seltzer fountain. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I'm, there's there's other topics into this too that might be correlated, but um, just the expense of potentially going to destinations like sporting events, yeah, and um, going out to bars, the premium that that you pay for uh, a drink at an establishment rather than just buying it from a grocery store or wherever you get it from, yeah. that might be impactful too. Um, I think just a general theme of millennialism is. There's a burden of debt that seems to ring common as uh, millennials go through the education process and then into uh, post-education and whatever that career takes them. And are they taking on a house in a pandemic or things like that? There's a lot more economic factors that seem to be in play there. So, Beer. Who knew? Who knew? As American, I thought it was just forever... A staple. Beer I didn't and apple know it was going down. And baseball. Beer and baseball. There you go. <laughs> okay. Next one that we're getting into is J. Crew. What? What? What is your experience with J. Crew? Oh man. So it's not my style. It really has never been my style. It like is my sister's style, and I'm constantly jealous that she looks so pulled together all the time but i'm much more like flowy and comfy um in my clothes yeah but so i think i have one j crew sweater and i think i got it from the j crew outlet and i got it because it is hugely oversized on me and it is like the comfiest little pumpkin colored sweater for fall um yeah but I my association with J Crew is it was what like the preppy girls wore at my school. I remember their bubble necklaces had like a huge moment in 2012. But since then, you're right. I don't 
know if I associate J. Crew as a major brand any more than I would associate kind of like Banana Republic or like Brooks Brothers is what we talked about the other day. I don't even know if Brooks Brothers exist anymore. Kind of that middle class fancy um, business casual wear. I don't know. What's yeah. up with J. Crew? Uh, I think the the article would allude that J Crew found themselves maybe not listening to a customer base. Mm, interesting. And so um, the fact that uh, they were a little bit higher end, uh, it came with a different price point yeah. of their clothing, and quite honestly, it didn't give much option. And so millennials uh, thematically uh, are labeled as a generation that needs lots of lots of options. And so when you're just kind of peddling the same stuff over and over again, maybe not keeping in track of what trends are. And granted, if if your brand has that kind of staying power that you don't necessarily have to go switch and pivot with trends, that's that's fabulous, fantastic. I think there's a handful of them out there, right? But if you're not listening to your customer and you're always driving your pricing up, and then the fact that the internet comes in and that you can do comparison shopping uh, in the article, they, they mention uh, one of one of our favorite stores to just get a little giggle out of uh, H&M. Uh, yeah. They mentioned Zara too. I've never shopped Zara's at a Zara, great. but Zara's uh, H&M congruent, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they mentioned that someone could go to an H&M and get a lesser quality product for significantly less uh, investment and still find the same type of uh, utility with that. And so it's, I think a lot of people don't put the intrinsic value in the brand J Crew anymore if there was intrinsic value there in the first place. That's very interesting. It makes a lot of sense to me. Is, the, is it like specific to J Crew? this article is okay. i would be interested to see where millennial fashion sits a little bit yeah. more yeah. who's who's maybe a major provider and do millennials actually find value in higher end labels like uh previous generations had interesting i almost feel like just observationally right now Right now, it's huge into um, athleisure, right? And so the brands that you're seeing that are getting like attention, like Lou, a lot of Lulu going around, um, some aloe, like things like that, that you're like, oh, they're just, they're those, that's what's in style right now is having certain shoes, like certain workout type shoes um, or certain athleisure wear brands, and certain like comfy, like comfy oversized sweaters rather than, um, some like more business casual, more going out and nice, nice well, things it's a, as a brand recognition. It's entirely true. I mean, look at our experience the last couple of weeks where I was trying to find a specific, oh yeah, uh, a specific suit. So for for everyone listening, I I was trying to find a a, a nice like light colored linen suit for uh when Jillian and I are going to get married here in a handful of weeks. People don't even carry suits no. <laughs> anymore, let alone, you know, suit options. Yeah. And so I found it very difficult to go like, see it, touch it, try it on. And I had to, you know, cross my fingers, click the button on online and have it sent to me. And so when I pulled out of the package, I was a little bit anxious that the shoulders weren't going to be right and all of that kind of stuff. And so it just seems you're right. 
the maybe the overall trend has gone more casual mm-hmm. and people don't need to find themselves in a little bit more of a formal clothing setting anymore that's true that's i think that's a little bit true um and i think the workplaces too are also becoming increasingly casual something i'm sure we'll get into on another episode but up until like super recently i I, like even when i don't know like all my jobs have been pretty casual i did tell chris um i work mostly remotely did go into the office this week and i was like i am so underdressed in here i i was wearing like nice slacks and a nice shirt but just I've lost the uh, gift of dressing business casual. <laughs> it is entirely true. Um, I can't think of a time where a collared shirt to work wasn't kind of the default. It's like, hey, you can live in the sweet spot if you don't have a meeting or something. Maybe you could dress down a little bit there uh, for a time when I was in you know, financial services and the brokerage, I was full suit and tie uh, there for a while. And I know I have a couple of friends still at that brokerage and it's it's kind of tie optional. Now they're even allowing them to dress, dress down a little <laughs> bit. I don't know, you know, suit, no tie. I don't know how much dressing down that is. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 it seems that formal wear or dressing the part is not nearly as important as being the part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lately. Kind of nice. Kind of a, a switch in the right direction. If you ask me, like who cares what you look like as long as you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that dovetails to the next one that I won't take too much time on, but uh, millennials are killing department stores. And so J oh. crew is a, <laughs> J crew is a brand obviously is, is probably just as, tangential to department stores as distributor of maybe higher end brands in in that regard uh we were actually talking this on a on a drive today mystic megan yeah from last episode (laughs) we were we were driving (laughs) back from from a, a weekend celebrating birthdays uh with a handful of our friends and uh ironically mystic megan needed to ride <laughs> we, we drove by a couple of malls that are just dead space uh through our drive on the interstate through our, our state and we were talking about stores that we used to know that don't exist anymore or stores that have lost a lot of of their footprint and so so jillian being from north carolina she mentioned belk i i have no no uh, interaction with a Belk retail store at all. Belk was global. Like I had no idea it was regionally specific, but that just shows like I haven't been to department stores in mass except for Nordstrom every once in a while for like years and years. And I wonder if part of that is because like we're a little bit busier and we have the convenience of being able to shop from our phones. So I would never drive somewhere with like the off chance unless it was like an emergency unless I like needed something immediately um with the off chance that I would like have to wander around and try to find it if I could just order something into my house and take the five minutes from my bed to like find something and send it to myself and just wait a few extra days rather than like drive somewhere during store hours go (laughs) try it on (laughs) what do you think Chris oh it's i I am the reason that that large malls with with anchor retail stores 
find themselves in the pickle that they're in. You heard it all because of Chris Mead. Well, I I definitely am not one to to patron a mall. I I don't enjoy the experience. There's really nothing I can't get at a mall outside of the food court. I was just going to say you do get some down with some Auntie Annie's pretzels. <laughs> yeah, you got to get me some of them pretzels. But there's really nothing I can't get not online. Uh, it's when it can, comes to like something that needs to, to fit right that I get a little anxiety clicking the buttons online and having something to deliver. But when you think of, uh, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone. I, I haven't been to every mall in America through the last 20 years, but like most of those anchor mall anchor stores were like Macy's, Penny's, Dillard's, and potentially another one. There always seemed to be four there as well. But Elk. <laughs> Belk, uh, <laughs> where I grew up uh, in Middle Tennessee, Castronaut, for all of those people who remember Castronaut. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, we've we've been to a couple malls looking for a suit uh, recently, and those anchor stores don't exist in the typical, like, four anchor store mall architecture configuration. Uh, you're hard-pressed to find a mall around where we live with two anchor stores, like, left in them. And so I don't know if that's a function of them not being able to come around to the e-commerce mm. of it all or if people are starting to lean away from what they distribute, right? And yeah. so if you think um, Alteryx is a great example. For all those who don't know Alteryx, they're, they're a very niche, uh, high-end, what would you call it, snow yeah. Cold weather, yeah, cold weather, outdoor here. apparel. Like it, it's it's to a place that I don't ever want to afford it. They're really cutie though, and they look like they've got Ragnar's tattoo from the TV show Vikings on their thing. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, apparently, very high end, very quality. Uh, they recently stopped doing distribution, and they're like, "Look, we can we can control the outcomes of the company a lot better if we just do direct to consumer." e-commerce and it seems to be working for them from our observation good for them right and so it's like how many people don't want to do distribution anymore because they can do their own fulfillment and so it's like what do you need a distribution what do you need a distribution in a department store for right get more points on top of that your your margin like that can't hurt right and so i think a lot of it comes down to um Shopping online is is much easier. All the compare tools that are built into Google, the 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 pricing options, the filtering, it makes it just so different. I think the only risk that you take is the tactile uh, yeah. shopping experience is, is completely out of it. So it's like, oh, is this is that soft? Is it coarse? Is it gonna fit right if it yep. is meant to fit and those types of things? But definitely, I. Department store shopping is just nothing I do. So I can see why <laughs> why a generation is is saying that uh, they're killing it. I love it. That's very interesting. All right. Any more to, to add on that one? No. All right. This one I actually talked to you about, and it's quite interesting. I almost feel validated here. <laughs> and so when I was doing this research, so... It's a little bit bold in its statement. I'm going to make it a little bit tighter. But uh, this was a link to CNBC. It says, millennials don't like motorcycles, and that's killing Harley sales. Interesting. Okay. And so this week, the weather's been very agreeable uh, where we live. It's a a little bit warmer still, uh, it being August and winding down, but there's been no rain. 
So I've actually been paying attention while I've been driving of how many people on motorcycles. Obviously, I can't sit there and tell how young or old they are, uh, typically with a helmet on. But almost none of them were Harley Davidson motorcycles with the unique look, the unique sound, all of those types of things. They were just some other brand of motorcycle. Interesting. And so, like, when I thought that through, I was like, yeah, I mean... Buying a Harley Davidson, even on on the low end, is is somewhat expensive compared to other motorcycle options. And then once you kind of get into their catalog a little bit, it can get it can get like car pricey. Really? Yeah, well, they I, just I they they have brand recognition. They yeah. they have a what has been a premium product that people have have gone to from future generations. I just think that the, the that motorcycle culture generally might be fading. Interesting. Do, so. do you have any idea why? Um, I don't think that <laughs> this is going to sound dumb and it's not necessarily correlated, but um, was it James Dean was, was in that movie and he was depicted as like be, I forget which movie it is, um, <laughs> but he's he's wearing leather. You know, someone's screaming it right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Riding a motorcycle. It, it truly brought that culture to the mainstream, right? And so um, so often, I believe that the, the boomer generation really enjoyed uh, the Harley-Davidson motorcycle culture to to a point i'm not saying every single person in, in that generation owns a motorcycle but they're very aware of harley davidson motorcycles the culture i know oftentimes i've worked uh with quite a few people that professional white collar but on the weekends uh they like getting into their leathers getting on the bike and going meeting up with their friends and and going for a ride i know often when we go ride uh out to places that are a little bit more distant in, in the state we live in to go do some outdoor stuff. You'll, you'll run into just a, a trail of what looks like a little bit older generation people on the, on their motorcycles, 10, 15 folks out there just taking a drive through the mountains. Interesting. So I wonder if it's a cost thing. I wonder for, for me, Oh, this is gonna, I'm putting this out in the ether. Uh, I'm not scared to ride a motorcycle. I'm scared to ride motorcycles around other people. And so when I was a kid, I, I drove dirt bikes with, with some friends. I really enjoyed the, the concept of it all. But it, it puts you at such a disadvantage mechanically and safety when you're out there driving with cars and trucks and everything else. It gives me a lot of anxiety to even think about it. And so I just wonder if our generation is going a different place and maybe doesn't have the same value that's put into what the Harley culture was and what the um, culture provided so many other people before us. So you said the article was millennials are not buying motorcycles. I have a hard time believing that because the whole article talks about Harley stock price, right? It doesn't talk about motorcycles. Other motorcycles. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. But it, it mentions that, Harley Davidson in this evaluation, they expect zero growth, right? At the period that this article mm. was written, not not nominal growth. Zero growth is the best outcome for for Harley Davidson as 
when it comes to their balance sheet and all those types of things that we're not going to go into. That is fascinating. I would like to learn everything there is to learn about this topic. That's interesting. Did you did you grow up at all with with Harley Davidson? I know that you were a little bit more city based than I was. Yeah. um, My brother actually had a Harley. So he's actually a millennial that has a Harley or he did. I don't know if he still has it. Hmm. Millennial that did have a Harley or still does have a Harley. But uh, yeah, we had like a neighbor that had one, like a family friend neighbor. Um, But yeah, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a huge thing where I lived. But motorcycles were also not the most common where I lived because it was it was the city. Yeah, I had a, I had a few friends that I went to high school with that had motorcycles. Only only one of them had a Harley Davidson. Shout out Shane, if you're listening. Shout out Shane and, <laughs> and Eileen. Eileen. <laughs> Love you both. Uh, but it, I remember Shane would show up to school in just the regular fashion of, of what was pertinent during our high school time together. But it was all covered up in a leather vest and leather chaps so that he could ride his his sportster to school and then ride it home. That's rad. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, next topic. So no motorcycle. I'm sorry, no Harley Davidsons, potentially no motorcycles. But I think this one actually uh, holds true to where you live in the in the zeitgeist. Oh. Uh, millennials are killing diamonds. Oh, yes. And so in, in the article, they mentioned how Marilyn Monroe and just like what she mentioned in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, a, a movie I've never seen. Diamonds, uh, diamonds are a girl's yeah. best friend. I'm sure gemstones and diamonds did well before then, but they're saying that that was a potential catalyst for many people to enjoy diamonds after that movie and, and put so much value in, into them, into their lives interesting huh and millennials are killing them i believe (laughs) on the whole um like it's almost double digit like having to cut like cut the cost or cut the uh, revenue out of the pricing models even though i don't know how to say this nicely i don't have all the facts in front of me but there's there's a relative uh cartel around the the diamond industry there's there's a lot of control on the supply by just a few players uh most of them being in belgium if i understand correctly and so they they hold a lot of the world supply and only let so much out so that they can uh sit there and ensure that the pricing and revenue structures are beneficial to them you said this so beautifully. Okay, I'm getting on my little soapbox because anti-diamond is my platform. <laughs> I am a huge diamonds are diamonds are a lie person. Um, and that's for exactly the reasons Chris said. De Beers, not to name drop a particular company, but you know who you are. You know what you did. Um, they, they control a lot of the diamond flow. Diamonds are a false like there's a false scarcity of them they actually mine a lot more only really some and they destroy a lot of diamonds too um and if you've ever seen the movie blood diamond you can see like it's a it's a cinematic description of what happens but read the book that is based on it's it, it is horrible there are horrible things going on in the name of diamonds um and they're they're not rare 
there are gemstones out there. First of all, crystals are a girl's best friend now. Let's write that <laughs> one down. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's other there's there's other stones that if you want the appearance of a diamond are a diamond that you can support with with them being um, a little bit more ethical as well. So my hypothesis on why millennials are killing the diamonds is one, you kind of mentioned millennials are more price sensitive. We have a lot of debt because of student loans. <laughs> um, and just like life is freaking expensive. And so we're a little bit more price conscious. And then two, I think as a group, we're a little bit more, um, we have more information at our fingertips and, um, kind of as a group, I feel that we are good at making more ethical choices with the information we have at our fingertips. Um, and diamonds are definitely one of them. So yeah, team, team, no diamond. We love it forever. (laughs) What was so interesting when I, when I'm going through these topics, I was trying to pull out just what the common theme or themes were. And it seems that, uh, the internet being able to distribute information, um, more readily for, for our generation to be able to consume, especially when it comes to uh, a, a particular niche market like like diamonds itself and uh, the moral hazard that might yeah. have on the, the laborers that um, work in that industry to extract those diamonds from the earth, uh, the companies that, that control it, and then, you know, the, the end user you know, experience is just when, when you get all that information, no one ever wants to feel like they're being taken advantage of and or putting uh, uh, unsubstantial burden on someone to get a product either. Right. Yeah. And so like thinking about th- all of these items, it's either our generation doesn't have the same intrinsic value or put like premiums on certain brands or certain products like former generations have. Or we just have a we have a lot more information to go make decisions rather right. than just a a, a marketing uh, slogan yeah. or or a salesperson giving us the information that they know. I don't want to say anyone's lying, right? But the the internet has definitely brought a lot more information to light. It definitely has, and I think too there's like an aspect of uniqueness within millennialism that also kind of like helps foster this, right? Like. If, if when I think of diamonds, I think probably most traditionally of like an engagement ring. Um, and so many people aren't going a traditional way with engagement rings anymore. If you want to do it, do it. Like you, you have every resource at your fingertips to figure out if it's the right choice for you and, and do what makes you happy. We support that. Um, but I think there is a trend of people being a little bit more unique and finding something that fits their individual style rather than what's being told to them as this is this is the choice you get to make from here on out. Um, yeah, so I think this is just a great thing. I think Millennials Killing the Diamonds is my favorite thing on the list so far. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm a big fan of killing anything as much as I'm a bigger fan of uh, people being able to make the choices uh, with more information. Yeah, I think killing is a a generation that is older than millennials trying to place blame on millennials for changes being made, whether the change is positive or negative. Um, 
And it's kind of, it's almost become just kind of like a, a funny thing now, right? Like, ah, oh, millennials are killing this now. Yeah, it's insert whatever yeah. struggle <laughs> has happened, right? Yeah. And it's it's quite interesting that a lot of it is coming down to consumption. Yep, that it does seem to be the trend. Well, yeah. Right, and it's like, I don't think our generation is um, spending any less, but we might not necessarily be buying every premium branded product that's out there our generation very guilty for some reason standing in front of an apple store waiting for (laughs) an iphone to get released right Uh, a a pair of jordans right the 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 sneakerhead uh community definitely came about uh during our generation there's definitely products out there where everyone just wag their finger and just be like no 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 um i think tastes have shifted and pivoted and i don't know if you remember but from episode one we kind of talked about the financials of millennials and um all of that good jazz and we discovered that like with adjustment for inflation and everyone's average like the median salary um millennials are making less than their parents did and spending less of it on entertainment on like extra extra fun things right there's the house of pricing or the price of housing has gone way up the price of commodities has gone way up so millennials like yeah maybe some of these things are dying and it's simply because we are spending more on other things that (laughs) that have increased in price over time and not proportionate to um salary yeah absolutely i i'm gonna go I'm going to go take a look. And so I think our generation probably dollars just on paper makes more, more yep. dollars uh, per capita, but buying power is definitely Correct. Uh, not necessarily the same. Yep. And so uh, extra cash just isn't there potentially like it has been in yeah. the past. But again, not saying everyone's ever had extra cash. Like I, I right. remember being in a house that didn't have much extra cash. It's I think it's just circumstantial. Agreed. I think we're just talking on on average. Like yeah. what are the numbers saying? Exactly. Okay. Here's one that you and I identify with. Uh, okay. Millennials are killing golf. Oh, we had a recent golf experience. <laughs> Chris is actually really good at golf. Um, I get very lucky for very short periods of time. Uh, my golf experience is go buy the cheapest box of balls at Walmart, like $12 for like five sleeves. <laughs> and then if I can get out and not lose all of them, that's a winning game for me. <laughs> and then granted, everyone, I only golf when it gets me out of work. And so when I'm invited to the company golf tournament, you better believe I'm signing up for that tournament <laughs> to go lose balls and not be at work. But I think other than that, I, I don't freely go and spend an afternoon golfing. Yeah. It, it's nothing that uh, appeals to me. That's really interesting. Are millennials on average like, oh, excuse me, I have the hiccups, not golfing as much anymore? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The hiccups? Come on, Jeej. Sorry. Drink not the water problem. too fast. Uh, quite honestly, it right now the craze is cycling. Yeah. Peloton, Soul Cycling, uh, for those in Utah, not sponsored, but Torrent Cycling Classes, they're wonderful. Feel free to go find them in Sugar House downtown, all the places in Utah. Beautiful place to go. Wonderful people. But I think having a, uh, a more convenient way to find 
community and a little bit faster is is what our generation is is willing to do. I know I still work with folks that, that love to golf and they're willing to go get nine holes in at the like the six ten AM tea time so they can go cram some golf in before work. But I think it's just I think it's a difficult proposition to say, yeah, sure, I can go put four hours yeah. towards this on not a weekend is a little bit more difficult proposition. Right. Even on a weekend, going giving up four or five hours uh, to golf might not fit into everything that you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. uh, when you're not doing work in the regular work day, right? Yeah, no. But I think this can also go into some other things. I've, I've seen articles talking about how uh, kids in certain regions of the United States aren't playing extracurricular sports anymore, so they're having to shut down like football programs. I also know that uh, skiing, outside of the most prime destinations, ski resorts are having a hard time staying open because the demand of uh, ski resorts in certain areas. I know New England uh, has quite a few ski resorts that have closed down just because skiing isn't as popular anymore. So I don't know if it's necessarily golf or just uh, certain outdoor activities are, are losing their appeal to people. Interesting. I didn't know skiing was suffering. And I think it's because we live in such a ski dense place. It just seems like there's more and more skiers every year. But I mean, think, overall, it, think about not. us. We sit there and complain about yeah. the, 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 I mean, we don't even get season passes because they're so outrageous. Yeah. They're and, crazy. And so, granted, Utah snow, everyone, if you've never skied Utah and have any inclination to ski at all, Utah snow on the right day is one of the most amazing things. Uh, to do as a winter sport, but I can see how people feel like they're getting priced out. Uh, the no ski resort is close to anything typically, it seems, and so there's a lot of effort to get out there. But yeah, just I think outside extracurricular stuff, we we might not be necessarily taking it on. All right, are you ready for one more? <laughs> yes. Um, also, can we just paint a picture of what's been happening for our audience who may hear what's going on in the background? Your cat, your problem. Go ahead. <laughs> so Dave, our cat, Godiva, is a, she's a little bit needy. And she has opened the door, come around, walked around, meowed, jump on where Chris is attached to the recording thing, jumped onto the table where everything else is attached and is very underfoot. So if you hear little meows or anything that sounds like little kitty feet, they are little meows and little kitty feet. <laughs> but welcome Godiva to her podcast debut. Okay. Last topic here. <laughs> okay. And this one, I think I can observe, but I don't necessarily participate in. I, uh, it, The way that the article is written, it seems a little bit more uh, female-centric. Okay. And so apparently uh, millennials are killing bar soap. I I'm, love I'm it. I'm not going to go be- any further Bar soap is so gross. This, is, this makes my heart happy. Wow. Why is bar soap gross? Because you like, just think about it. You like wash your butt with it and then you like wash your arms with it. I F- Fair. I mean, fair. I can see that through. So like a body wash is just kind of nice. You just kind of like whoop, whoop, and you wash and you whoop, whoop. You can just take it in sections, work down, get, never use the same body wash twice. There's no accidental cross-contamination. We love it. <laughs> Do you uh do you cross section your towel 
so that you only wipe certain parts of your body with your towel? No, because I'm clean when I put on my <laughs> towel, Christopher. I'm clean. <laughs> it makes all the difference. And so this article concentrated a little bit more on um, like cleaning cleaning a face. And how, oh, interesting. But I, I don't think I don't think your observations are off base at all. Bar right? soap, just, just generally bar soap. Cleaning a face. Um, they were they were talking oh. about how uh, many products have gone oil based, and they had dermatologists on here talking about how it's so much better for for skin generally, and only uh, very rare outliers of people with certain skin conditions find oil based cleansers uh, not as good for them. But I think just that old bar of soap and, and the washcloth <laughs> might be dead. There's just so many products out there. But when they were listing all the products, I, I got sticker shock. I had no clue that facial cleansers or skin restorative or serums or whatever they can fool people into buying were so stinking expensive. Is it fooling? Okay, so let's. can we go back to this fooling people into buying thing? I think there's two sides to that. One, I understand because, like, how are you going to, um, to quote my queen, Kate Kennedy, it feels like it's a little bit of a trap because it's promising all of these benefits for you that you're not going to see for, like, 30 years. You're not going to know if you're, if it's a really anti-aging for, like, 30 years and you are you going to look back and say like, oh yeah, it's because of that moisturizer. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, like I think that like skincare has become a bigger part of who we are. Like we're more aware there's all it's, and it's become more accessible, right? Like the ordinary has done so much in making high end skincare available for like way like drugstore prices. Um, and I think that's a great thing to not have to like gatekeep skincare anymore by price and everyone can have, semi-equal um options in order to take care of their skin because you only got one set of it as far as i'm aware yeah when they're listing products like the on the low end it's like 50 dollars to the high end being like 180 dollars and then mentioning the multi-step like 10 20 step routines of i'm gonna do this and then a little dab of this and then a scrub of that, and it's just like there. There are people who make a living as influencers, helping people understand the benefits of skincare, which skincare items to do, which techniques. It, it's just lost. It's lost on me, but I don't think it's unimportant. You did say the other day that I was glowing, and I told you it's because I've changed my skincare <laughs> routine. So <laughs> maybe there is benefits there. <laughs> Fair enough. Everyone, find what makes you happy. I just, <laughs> I just, the 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 sticker shock got me, mm, for yeah. for sure. And I was like, at at the end of the day, all of this is just a soap alternative. How come it costs so dang much? Formulated and balanced. But I totally, I totally remember there was there was two bars of soap in my house, and when your bar of soap in your bathroom got too small, you could come down to. I think, I think my mom had them in in her bathroom. You had to ask her, and so there was Lever Two Thousand. For all the people who don't know Lever Two Thousand, it's the orange, ambery, kind of translucent bar of soap. It's a little bit thinner, doesn't lather quite well. And then we had we had Irish Spring. That was it. 
there were no other options. Which one was the face soap and which one was the foot soap? Uh, it didn't get differentiated in my life. And so we got a bar of soap. Okay. Did you use the same bar of soap for your face as you did for your body? It was meant to clean. Okay. Very fair. But I mean, when when um, when liquid soaps became a thing, we weren't far behind the liquid soaps. I just have a lot of recollections of, of bar soap. So like you took a shower, used a bar soap for yeah. all parts of your body. Yeah. That's a, I like it. I like it a lot. Well, what what's interesting is even some of the was it the body washes that had the little plastic particulates in it where they're like the EPA was like we can't have you making this scrubby soap anymore Ooh. because it's piling up in our drinking water system. Yes. Oh man, the I can like see it in my head. It was like orange and it had the little scrubbing beads in it. Man, I used Everything had the scrubby bees, and you're like, yeah, I'm feeling cleaner. That's true. I did feel cleaner. Huh. Not good. Not so good. Down, down with the bar soap, down apparently. Down with the bar soap. Did they give the alternative for what we're using now? Um, Like I said, they focused a lot more on uh, just facial. the facial uh, aspects of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if many people find themselves in a... Uh, Lufa, some some type of implement, scrubbing implement, and and a liquid soap alternative yeah. for non-facial things. Interesting. It just seems to be what's available out there. Yeah, yeah. Did you know we have some bar soap under the sink that I've had since I think I was a freshman? Um, no, so I did not. I, I have helped you move everything. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't have you move that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, wonderful. Uh, I'm just going to leave it there. There's so many more topics. We might come back and visit this because it's it's so interesting. It just prompts a conversation. Yeah. But those were, I don't know, approximately the six or seven things uh, for us to go over today about what millennials, what air quotes, millennials are killing there. And so everyone, thank you so much for listening. If If you are listening and you find value, in our podcast, please feel free to reshare anything on social media, invite other people to consume it, um, give us a rating on whatever platform you're on. And we just enjoy having you. This this is a fun thing that Jillian and I really, really enjoy putting into our week. And we enjoy seeing uh, the response and interacting with everyone there. Anything to add, Jeej? No, we absolutely love spending time with you guys. Um, thank you so much for hanging with us. This was a really fun, relaxed episode. Thank you, Chris. All right. Until next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye.